0: Barukata etta Adonai, Elohenu Melakaolam, Asher Bakar bin beim tobim, Veratza ve Divraim, Hane Emarim be Emet, Baruch etta Adonai, Haboker Batora, Umoshe Abdo, Uv Israel Amo, Uvin Vie Ha Emet Vazedek, Viscut Mashiachishua, Amen. Baruch haba Adonai, may we soon see the final redemption speedily in our days Hasis Baz and I would like to first of all welcome everybody to a new year in the showed cycle We are in the parashah of Noach this week, so that means Haftarah Noach coming at you So I'm going to hand it over and we will get going with the insights
1: Alright, uh, so like I said, it's to Torah Noach, and so this will be in Yeshiyahu 54, uh, 1 to 55, 5. And so this is all about um, the rebuilding of Jerusalem, and, you know, the, the final redemption, universal knowledge of Torah that's that's going to be taking place. So it's a, it's a really positive note. That's oh, <laughs> like the... Uh, after the huge storm and, and Noah's art, it's like the, the rainbow coming up in the
0: skies. Mmm.
1: You can relate this this Haptor to. I like that. So we got um title over here, this little section Hope at Hand, because we have after the destruction of of to the Jews were exiled, the beautiful city of Jerusalem which had been the pride and joy of the Jewish nation was reduced to desolate ruin during the years, Ben Israel or an exile Yushum is lonely and unhappy like a childless woman, but hope is at hand for the future. She Jerusalem will no longer be childless. <clears throat> and so we are taken into the first verse where it's talking, uh, seeing Jerusalem, who is like a barren woman who has never given birth, break into song and shout joyfully, Yushum. who is similar to a woman who has never had labor pains, for the sons of the desolate one, Yushlam, will be more numerous than those of a nation that oppressed you, Edom, Rome, who is compared to a married woman, says Hashem. At the redemption, your sons will return to your midst, and you will be even more densely popular than Edom, which was heretofore very populous. <laughs> hereto were very populous. <clears throat> and so the Midrash cites um, a Gemara that mentions this dispute between uh, Rabbi Aymer's wife is one of the the Talmudim of Rav Kiva, and his wife was known as very very learned, and it was a Beruah, a, a Bruria, Sicha, and versus a a heretic, and you know there 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 has been just want to mention this right before we get to the story, um, because there's some misideas that the heretics refer to like early Christians. You know, which is false. First of all, Christianity didn't exist, um, and and second of all, the the Talmud sites the heretics as specifically Sadducees. And so, just to let you know, when when it's referring to, like a heretic, and the Gemara it's usually referencing a Sadducee. Wow. And so, this is this is a discussion between one of the the Sadducees and Rav Meir's wife, Beruria. So oh. once, what's that? Go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say that's very. Uh, first of all, very grateful that you laid that foundation out, because that'll help with uh, the building blocks of how we're reading through the Gemara. So, Toda yeah. for that.
1: Yeah, Bavaksha. So I have here uh Sidokhi, the Sadducee, once got the Reverend Mary's learned wife, uh, Bruria, saying. Look what nonsense your prophet spoke in fifty four 54.1. Sing, you barren woman who did not give birth. Why should she sing? Because she never gave birth? You fool, Ruru retorted sharply. You only look at the beginning of the verse without considering the end, which says, the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman. For these words, it is clear, from these words, it is clear that the desolate woman does not have, does have sons. The word barren is only a figure of speech. The barren woman is a Jewish nation and she certainly didn't have wicked sons who will end up like a henna, like some of your people. That alone is enough cause for rejoicing. Wow. So, you know, she, she comes back at this the Sadducee, Sadducee, the people who didn't believe in the, the oral law and such, they would cause a whole bunch of burdens on the people. Um, and she replies back to them very, very quickly. Hey, she's talking about what the prophet's talking about here is that not that, that we, we were absent of children, but the fact that we didn't have children ended up in Yehinnom. Ooh. Our, our people believed in the written Torah and believed in the oral Torah and, and adhered to it, unlike you, who've rejected the complete oral Torah and have interpreted the written Torah however you see fit and thus do whatever is right in your own eyes. And wow. so,
0: so that's how we're starting.
1: Yeah, just just a little interwoven commentary <laughs> between you know, Sadducees and Pharisees, you
0: know. Wow. And so, wow.
1: That's how how this the midrash
0: begins here. Quick tag when you have a moment. Okay, go for it. You said the this beautiful phrase that the Sadducee ties this heavy burden on people. Mm-hmm. I heard that that was that was uh, very ninja. Because when Mashiach Yeshua is talking about, you know, those who tie up heavy burdens on the people and and they're not willing to help them lift it, you -hmm. know, you have this picture where this may have been aimed and directed towards Pharisees, but lots of times it was Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders, Soferim, and Roman government, uh, like, peeping toms, so to speak, because they were just trying to get around the action to see, okay, what's going on with this Yeshua guy? So when when that statement is going out, that you have this picture where chasvei shalom, that it's a Pharisee that would tie the heavy burden, but definitely if a person does not have the oral Torah, if they're going to do solo script stuff, they do tie a heavy burden around people. So you end up having a, the bondage of grace uh, if you don't have any oral Torah. So, just to your point there on the the heavy burden from the Sadducee side. Nice.
1: I like that you said the the you know burden of grace and yeah the snox name backwards yep. something to happen.
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: No, it's awesome. Love love the clarification, and so. It's always good to have, you know, correct background knowledge before you're you know, just like Baruria said, you know, like read read the rest of the verse. Read it in its context.
0: Ooh.
1: Stop stop quote mining things and taking them out of its context, taking it out of its culture, taking it out of its language and trying to manipulate it. Wow. You know. That's not how things work. You you need to that's not how anything's work. You know, even even you think of uh reading Torah scripture as connecting with a Shim, you know, that's a relationship. Right, if you're trying to just like take pieces, not the whole thing, you're you're essentially rejecting Hashem. It's like this is this is my heart. I've given it to you. You know, this is this is my very soul. I've written down for you. You need to accept all of it in its full context.
0: Oh man. You know?
1: it's our rejection of Torah, and the context it was given in is our rejection of Him. Wow. So, on a continue on our half tour, this is the title, it's uh, expand Jerusalem. So it's about the expansion of Jerusalem. Um, it mentions in verse 2 that Jerusalem, widen the place of your tent and let the curtains of your dwelling places swing right and left to enlarge a tent. Do not hold back. Lengthen your strings to make the tent higher and secure your tent pegs to hold the tent in place permanently so as to make room for all the Jews who return to your midst at the redemption. And so there's a question, is this to be understood literally, which, you know, comes up a lot, you know, in our reading of of Midrash. So it mentions that when Mashiach comes, Jews from all over the world will gather in Yuslam. And so how can there there possibly be room for everyone? And it says, you know, Hashem in this verse, you know, cites this whole idea of widen the place of your tent. And so miraculously in the future, Jerusalem is actually having have a space for all the Jews to enter. And we hear this in other other Hat Torahs where it talks about another name for the land is called Eretzvi, the land of the deer. Because like deer skin is like when, when uh, cut, it will actually stretch out. Mm. And so, there's there's actually other instances where this has happened where Shem has made a miracle of stretching out places. Wow. And so, one, the second day of creation, right, the waters, the waters that filled the entire earth, the Shem said, Hey, let the waters gather into the ocean's and rivers. Wow. And so, all the water that filled the whole world was now limited to spaces. And left room, and still left room for dry land. Hmm. You know, it's a miracle. Like, what happened? You know, it filled everything, and now there's space for dry land? Goodness. Uh, another one is during Yehoshua's time, when he led across the, the Yarden, um, he gathered entire people between the two bars of the Aran.
0: Right. <laughs> and so, narrow path.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, their bodies became spiritual, right? And Yehoshua told him, hey, from this miracle, you see the living God is in your midst. hmm uh, there's also the um and the Beha Mikdash this miracle occurred frequently. Every Yom Toh the Byzantine Jews stood crowded in the Azarah, is a court, where there's not an inch of space between one Jew and another, but when bowing down during the fila, each Jew suddenly had an area of an Amma, It was about like two feet in in every direction around him. Wow. Thus he had like complete privacy for his whole prayers when he was repenting on the Um confession of sins, different things like that. And Another one was um, Jerusalem, citing this verse: A similar miracle will happen in the future, and Jerusalem was given a spiritual power to expand and accommodate all of its returning sons. And so, there's a question of why must we all fit in Jerusalem? But couldn't we, we settle in different cities? And so, the answer to that is it's about the Kadusha that's in Jerusalem. Hmm right? He, Hashem wants well, every Jew to spend some time in Jerusalem because of its great Kedushah, its great holiness because only in Jerusalem will the Jews absorb the supreme holiness because of the Shekinah which rests there and so this is going to help us to become spiritually elevated
0: so this is like the Holy of Holies when it comes to the land
1: Mm-hmm. Jerusalem
0: wow, okay that's Uh, legit because you think about the fact that it's not Jericho that he does this, it's not Beersheba you know, it's not Galilee or Bethlehem, you know, it's Jerusalem. so, yes wow, okay
1: so the site where you know, the behemoth is is placed, the site of the the holy of holies, like you mentioned earlier we go into verse 3 and it's about the this whole population increase and it mentions like just how it was in Egypt, it's gonna be in the future. There's gonna be this multiplication of Nezrael in the time of Mashiach we're gonna increase in number rapidly. I and so it mentions this idea, you know, um, of of this whole idea of population increase is is linked to the coming of Mashiach.
0: <laughs> wow! Like a baby boom.
1: As, as we, yeah, like baby baby boomers, perfect. <laughs> you know, um, of course, you know. Also, also, you know, have Chanuk ready. You know, be ready to to train your child, educate in the ways of Torah, Ooh. but learn from uh, Noach. Malo quotes the idea of, you know, uh, in in place of of absence of children, whatever your own righteousness and your own good deeds and your Torah learning actually counts as your offspring wow. and are going to stand before you give merits. Wow. And so there's this idea of, you know, the, these two things are, are interwoven, mm. you know, you have this idea of, of righteous deeds, your fruits, and then your offsprings.
0: Wow. You know?
1: And uh, Shem is going to take everything in an account, you know, that's beautiful. Uh, so we have verse four, where he essentially goes in this whole phrase of "Do not be ashamed, like you're never again going to be put to shame. Do not be embarrassed to hold your head high. For you not be disgraced, and for with further exiles you will forget the shame of your youth, your wanderings, and exile. You no longer recall the disgrace your widowhood when you will sep when you were separated from Hashem. And so this whole verse four is is just about really being exiled to the nations and all the shame that comes with it, all the stress, um, all the, all the struggle. And he's like, look, this is not happening anymore. Don't fear. Um, there's, there's a new day dawning if you will. Wow. And so five for the name of your master, your maker is a shim of hosts. He rules over the hosts that are above and below. No one can oppose him. Your redeemer is the Holy one Israel. Holy One of Israel, who will be called the God of the whole world. So I have explicitly explicitly saying that Hashem is
0: the Redeemer. (laughs) Your
1: Redeemer is the Holy One
0: of Israel. Can we tag back to our uh, verse 4 when you have a moment? Yeah, go for it. I just wanted to shout out, uh, nothing new in the new Testament. Just going to go ahead and start that hashtag. So hashtag nothing new in the new Testament, even though that's a terrible phrase as far as it's not a new Testament, but, uh, colloquially speaking, uh, this is the not worthy to be compared with the coming glory as written in the letter to the Romans chapter eight, verse 18. So we talk about this having no shame and forgetting our former disgrace because these times that we're currently going through in the exile are not worthy to be compared with the coming glory. That's it. Nice.
1: (laughs) So, love that. I guess you can call it reruns.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that.
1: This is, this is reruns with Matt.
0: <laughs> reruns. Wow. But, back to verse 5 though, Hashem is your Redeemer. Like, so what does that mean when we're talking about Mashiach Yeshua, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> there's There is There is that. <laughs> that is crazy. So, uh,
1: next one it mentions, yeah, just... Hashem is gonna to call to us, the whole Jewish nation, back to him as a husband calls for a wife. And it says this, this cold question, can the wife of one's youth become permanently detestable in her husband's eyes? Certainly not, says Hashem. Therefore, rest assured that he will again have mercy on you. <laughs> and just mention that the Jewish nation is like a wife of one's youth who cannot be replaced with any other woman.
0: <clears throat> Amen.
1: Amen. And so it's just this idea, you know, Rabbi Mendel Hirsch notes this idea as uh is this Pasuka's based on the Jewish nation's ideal of matrimony. Hmm. It's very, very much opposed to the way the nations... Um, so a, a Jewish husband who lives a Torah life is not cons- will not consider whatsoever dropping his wife in favor of uh, some other woman. And so, wow. I understand, you know, as years ago, I g- goes by, the couple goes closer, knowing the key to happy marriage lies in their own hands. Goodness. And, uh, and as well as the hands. And it's all about commitment. And I mentioned this before uh, Jewish uh, marriage, uh, nisween, right, is related to the whole word of its root is like lifting, about right. lifting each other up. Yes. And so, whereas you have, you know, marriage today is essentially about what can you get out of the other person? You know, how much is it
0: benefiting you and your lifestyle? Boy. So,
1: it's not, but it's important to read it in the context. You're not reading the context of 21st century, you know, marriage in the context of uh, 21st century marriage, right? Because <laughs> if you did, you know, this wouldn't, this this partial wouldn't mean anything.
0: Yeah, because today's standard of marriage is you can be married to a chicken if you want to.
1: If you wanted to.
0: It's <laughs> terrible. It's foul.
1: But, you know. So, for a short moment, I have forsaken you, says Shem, through the Jewish nation, but with great love and kindness, I will gather you in eternally. I have forsaken you, means that Shem's providence for us is not apparent, for he allows evil to befall us. What? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, was just, I was thinking about Yeshua, Mishael, this whole idea of why, why have you forsaken me? Mm. before it's not him going into this question, not him uh, forgetting the Hashem, he's his last teaching moment. That's right. And so he's, he's referencing a lot, I believe, many things within, within the prophets, within Scripture. Um, but I think one of the things is this verse up here. You know, why have you forsaken me? And it says, for a short moment I have forsaken you. Uh, for a short moment. And so it means, the like I said earlier, Hashem's providence for us is not apparent for He allows evil to follow us. And so he's asked this question, why do you think this evil has befallen us? Why do you think that I, I could not be uh, the Mashiach who reigns? Mm. Why you would not do it to Shuvah? Wow! Why why have you forsaken me?
0: Goodness.
1: So, you know, of course, our, our exile is much longer, going back to the whole idea of, of our exile, you know, this reference to our exile, um, it's more than a short moment. Um, so what, what's going on here? We're This is the longest exile of any of them, that's right. And so, it mentions that, that at the redemption, our, our galus, our exile, will seem to us as a short as as one moment. <laughs> and it mentions in Talim one twenty six one. what we say. Is what we pre prelude, Berakhah uh, Hamzan with on weekdays and days that aren't Rosh Chodesh, um, or Yom Tovs. It says, We will Hashem will return the captive Jews from Galas we will have been like dreamers. Mm. And so the redemption will be the beginning of such overwhelming, never-ending goodness and kindness on Hashem's part, that all the thousands of years of hardships and trouble, troubles will seem like a fleeting dream, and like a short moment compared to it.
0: Wow. Hmm.
1: And... So, you know, we have this, this idea, too, of if this exile is like a dream... Then And the redemption is going to be like this, this whole new reality. Right. It, it's like, who who's the one who's going to interpret our dream? Because it mentions the, oh. the Gemara, this idea of whatever interpretation you give to a dream, you could also read this in, in many of the commentaries on the story of Yosef, Um, how you interpret your dream is how it will unfold. Goodness. And so, yeah, who, who is going to be our dream interpreter? Who's going to bring this, this revelation into this whole new reality? And, you know, going back to Yosef, he was known as, as the one who was the dreamer and who could interpret dreams. Wow. And so, um, you have this, this whole idea of, of Mashiach, but Yosef is going to be one who's, who's going to help bring us into this, this new reality.
0: Man, talk about timing, like, for 40 years before the exile began, Hashem sent Mashiach Ben Yosef, like, wow. that's ridiculous, she's <laughs> like, you're going to need an interpreter because everybody's about to go to sleep, so uh, we're going to say bedtime Shema real quick, which sounds a lot like, why have you forsaken me? But, you know, we'll talk about that later. And uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: The, the good news is that, you know, this, the redemption that comes is going to make up for this exile. Ah, and <laughs> it it's crazy sounds. It's going to far exceed it.
0: Yes. Um, yes. I believe it. I know it. And I trust it. <laughs>
1: And so, you know, the next verse it just mentions, <clears throat> you know, with little anger I conceal my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I be merciful to you, says your Redeemer Hashem. Mm. And so it's just this temporary uh, removal of Hashem's providence you know, that we have when uh, but it's it's temporary. Like he says, He's not going to replace us. Wow. And this is the whole uh, concept of, of sin that's, that's brought down and and the Derek Hashem, um, it mentions that whole idea when we sin, <clears throat> we actually cause this this whole um, turning away, if you will. Like Hashem's turning away, if you want to think of it like this. Right. And so it, it actually allows for evil to come to us. So we, this whole concept Whoa. of of being punished for our sins, it's really more of the consequence on the idea of our consequences for our sins. Wow. And so because we've given free choice, we've been given a free choice of of how things play out into our, our life and our world. And so, you know, when when we sin, there's there's gonna be a lot of negative consequences that come from that. And it's not necessarily and punishment, it's it's he's given us control. And because we have that control, because we have this free choice to do what we want, we either choose to bring blessings into our life, the world life around us, or uh, curses and destruction.
0: Let's go with the, the former.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, do, do Teshuvah, and I uh, bring the former. You know.
0: <laughs> wow. You know, I love this whole point right here. This is the epitome of why us being Avengers is a thing, why the, the whole concept of Lapid, the, the whole understanding of Lapid Judaism this is it. Like, this is one of the main points to the redemption being in our hands and why it's in our hands, because we have a responsibility to uphold for reality, how it unfolds and how it plays out. And one of the things that's currently happening in the world right now is everybody's getting ready for Halloween, And the problem with that, among so many other things, is that You already have enough issues and troubles and demons in your life, but yet you're going to devote a whole day of inviting more of them in and even dressing up like them and taking on their characteristics and their traits by grossing yourself in materiality, sugars and sweets and pestering your neighbors. So I just find that very interesting about this inviting Hashem to turn his face which would be inviting evil and demonic activity into reality. Yeah, that's a huge point that you just laid out. So, goodness,
1: that's true. You know, you, even on a secular note, you look at all these holidays. Not only there's overwhelming theme of materialism, you know, and just complete selfishness, but you you look at them like uh, people say, you know, trick or treat on Halloween. What the sense of that that's coming from is, uh is essentially in like, I'm going to play a trick on you unless you give me what I want. What's that's like, that's like mugging a person.
0: Right. You're expecting someone to give you something like they don't know you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and even though it's not the case as much anymore, it's just people in costumes, but it's still the whole underlying message is essentially like, Mm -hmm. give me what I want, or I'm going to, I'm going to play tricks on you or harm you. That's the whole underlying message. Wow. Just like, you know, um, Xmas, you have this whole online methods of pedophilia. Goodness, like people sitting on this this guy's lap taking pictures. This guy, this old guy's like watching them their entire life, sneaking mm. into the house, giving gifts.
0: Mm. You no,
1: know, like you, like just just think about some of these days, and <laughs> it's you you see why there's so much craziness in the holidays. Good. Why there's so many suicides, murders, just crazy things that go on. Is because it's it's godlessness. Wow. It's all about it's all about themselves. It's all about how they feel. It's all about everything but Hashem. There's no meaning in these days, which is why people have to interject meaning into the days. Goodness. And so that's why young toes is so important. It's so meaningful, we're constantly drawing out meaning from all these young folks.
0: Wow. Because
1: most of them are in the Bible. Love and it. If, if they're in the Bible, they were instituted by by men who had the authority to institute them, and who were very, very godly, outstanding men.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Known as Chazal. <laughs> Drush.
0: Drush. <it>. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> since you brought up the subject, and since it's that 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 time,
0: go crazy. The, Do you think?
1: So we go into um, this next verse, which is actually one of the reasons why Yay. you know. Kind of um, like uh, Antiochus outlawed Torah, Torah readings, and so they read the the prophets instead, and so they read uh, one of the Nevi'im, one of the prophets that would relate to the the uh, Torah portion.
0: That's right.
1: And so verse nine is obviously probably where where they they got it from. It says, "For this promise is as binding as my oath concerning the waters of Noah." I swore that the waters of Noah will never again pass over the entire world, Similarly, I swear that after redemption, I will never again become angry at you or rebuke you. Wow. Wow. And so, he was um, angry at us because of our sins, and since the exile atones for the Jewish people's sins, Hashem will no longer be angry at us when we are finally redeemed. It's one of the explanations behind this, find why, why Hashem will never be angry at us. Wow. Uh, but there's also this idea... <clears throat> of why is the Mabul, why is the Great Flood, named after Noah? Why? And so, there's a few reasons. Um, one of them is, is that Noah um, heard the Shem would destroy the world, and he should have begged for Shem to have compassion, compassionate spirit, but he failed to do so, so the Mabul is blamed on him and turned the waters of Noah.
0: There's mm. so,
1: different aspects of this um, there's one source that mentions he thought he was, he, was, he was so humble, right, that he's like, okay, what am I going to do? What are my prayers going to do? Wow. And that caused him to, you know, not go go out, out of his way and, and pray and petition on the people. And so um, it's interesting because there is this, this concept that through Nuuk entering the ark, though, he had this kind of atonement for this idea of this lack of chesed, this lack of, of going outside of himself, and and uh, essentially helping helping the community, helping those around him.
0: Wow. So
1: you think about this, you know, Noah. He he didn't spend his days spreading shem's like to others. This was his main main fault, even though he was it was a sadik, uh, way way more so than than any of us. Right. Um, perfect man. Right. But him going to the ark, he now had to, you know, correct his, his trait of chesed. Now every 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 hour was taking care of the animals and, and caring for everyone on the ark. You know? Now yeah. now you you where you weren't going out and, and, and praying on behalf of people. Now you're constantly in a position where you're taking care of the, the, the creatures and everyone on the boat. Mm. And so through this, you know, he had this correction of, of his, own, his own trait.
0: Wow. So it was through suffering, actually, too, that this atonement took place. Mm-hmm. Because some of the Midrashim talk about him actually coughing up blood because of all the stress and the uh, sleeplessness that he had to endure. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And you, you think the weight that was upon him at the moment? There's, there's no mainstream that mentions that he could, literally, like, like the stone, the Zohar stone that was in there, Kids. actually lit up the, like, made, made it to where the ark was see-through, where he saw it, and so he could see all the bodies floating. Whoa, blood. And so literally, he, he was associated with their death.
0: Mm. So but there we got Mashiach good. being Yosef. Yes. Oh the
1: foundation of the world. Noach. Because oh he founded the entire world. Mm. Um, but the Midrash mentions these three levels of petition. So we talked about this whole idea, like he didn't petition on behalf of the people. Um, one is, hey, Noach didn't pray for his generation. Two was Abraham, who entreated to spare even the wicked sinners of Sodom. And well, the third was Moshe, who was willing to risk his entire life his entire, uh, even being being acknowledged in the Torah, you know, uh, his, I guess his his reputation, his his, you know, people wouldn't know him if his name was brought out of the Torah. People wouldn't know him, and so he, he petitioned God to wipe wipe uh, him out, his name out of the Torah, after the synagogue and calf. Right. <clears throat> and so it's just really interesting. Because if you look at look at the phrases, "Please erase me from your bro- book," that he says in Debraim one thirty seven, it says "Mecheni na me sifrecha." It says, "Please erase me from your book." And so he was totally he was he was so willing to become totally anonymous and having all his achievements go without recognition to gain forgiveness for to gain forgiveness for Rael. And it's interesting if you spell these words backwards na, right? Where he says, "There, na." Spell backwards. Says, "Ani Noach." I am Noach. Wow. And the word alone can be rearranged to read mia Noach, which is the waters of Noach. Wow. And so, what what Moshe uh, learned from the he actually learned from the mistakes of Noach, and was was. Able to achieve forgiveness on behalf of the people.
0: Wow. Now, what verse was that again?
1: This is Debreen. Oh, hold oh, on. my place here. Oh, sorry. I just... Oh, no. I lost my place real
0: quick. Oh. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Rukishim. Well, it's recorded, so. We can just hit rewind on the record and we're good to go. But the Perfect. blot my name out and Moshe and Noah connection, oh my word. <laughs> yes. That's crazy. Because, you know, that's what's currently happening to the name of Yeshua right now on behalf of the whole entire world to give everyone a chance to make Shuvah. This is why Yeshua's name is known as Chasve Shalom, Yeshu or Jesus. And because of that, Everybody is given more time to convert and enter into covenant. So this is Noach, this is Moshe, and this is Mashiach Yeshua. Yes. Wow. All righty. That was just a small point that you brought up. So, you know, that's that's cool. Just, just oh, cool. yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh sorry, it's not it's not one thirty six. it's not one thirty seven, that's why I said it earlier. I was looking at a different different version. Oh, okay. But it'll be the part um, where he says, please erase me from your book.
0: But the devouring so one.
1: uh the golden calf.
0: Okay. I'll uh, I'll follow that up for you and uh, you can keep rolling.
1: So this is really uh, you know, we we look at this and we don't necessarily have to be these great Sadakim like Moshe, although that would be amazing. Because and the the genius of Chazal is they actually established our daily prayers to where we could pray just like this. Wow. Uh, so you know, you might read from the Shmoneh Ezra, like when you read three times a day, pray praying your your small prayers. prayers. Um, it always says, "Let us do complete teshuva. Forgive us, heal us, and so on." And so, by by just praying out of the sador, we avoid nox mistake. We include all all the welfare and a person, all the world's the Jewish welfare and our personal teflut.
0: Wow, wow.
1: And so, and it's it's even it's interesting to note too that the beginning phrase of Shemona Ezra, you know where we say, "Open my lips, that my mouth may declare my praise." If you read in the Hebrew, the initial letters minus minus the vav actually spells out the word for a beautiful woman. Wow! Which, in according to the Balsham Tov, references you know the the uh, the sparks, the souls, and and the nations who desire to convert and desire to learn. Hmm. and so like when it's talking about when the, the soldiers go out to battle and you see a beautiful woman this teaches that hey these are these are righteous men going out to battle There's righteous men that have sanctified themselves and so if they're seeing a beautiful woman they're seeing more than just her physical self they're they're noticing that she has a desire for for Torah a desire to become part of the covenant and so when you say that part before yesshimon Ezra prayer you know you're actually Helping to bring the converts in, bring the nations in, <laughs> and so again, this is the genius of Chazal. So I mean, yes, you could you could have your own uh, personal prayers, and that's good for for developing your own heart uh, to bring people in and developing your heart to to lift others up. But the genius of Chazal is they made this prayer uh, so that it would naturally bring the converts in. It will naturally bring blessings upon all all of the all of Klal Wow. And so, you know, if you're going to, if you know, and you could talk to Shem all the time, but if you're going to sacrifice personal prayer or the written prayers, then, you know, sacrifice your personal prayer makes you, you're praying from the Sador. Because these are masters of prayers. These are geniuses in the Torah. And they they structure in such a way to bring blessing to the entire world. And there's no way any person's words are going to be as good as Chazal's. So just a little side note on prayer. But uh, uh, personal prayer is absolutely amazing, not sliding that any sense. I'm just stressing the importance of, of praying from our siddur.
0: Wow. Uh, <laughs> so Who knew that could be, that's the implication of us praying from the siddur?
1: In huge and we could be like Moshe Rabbeinu. Goodness. You know, praying on behalf of, of everyone else. They you say, you know, you know, say, oh, well, I don't, I don't have time to pray. Okay, well, you know, if you make time when you don't feel like you have time, then you're essentially nullifying yourself on behalf of everyone else because you're praying not just for yourself, praying for everyone, just like Moshe Rabbeinu did. Wow. You know, so we got in, in verse 10 mountains may move in an earthquake and hills may cave in because I'm angry, but my kindness will never depart from you. The Jewish nation might come to peace will not give away, says Hashem, who is compassion on you. And so, it's just really interesting here that he says, you know, talk about mountains and hills and cave in, but angry, but my, my kindness is never apart from you. And my covenant of peace, well, I will not give away. It's interesting the phrase, my, my covenant of peace, it says, Ovrit lo tamut. and so, you could slow me, my piece actually has the same Gamacha, has a Gamacha three eighty six with the same Gamacha as Yeshua. Ooh. So, you know you know, re read that how you will, you know, Yeshua being so intertwined with the uh the Hashem's covenant. It's almost like his saying, like, hey, this is gonna be the aspect of of what's gonna be with you. You know, I'm I'm never going to um, I'm always going to remember this. This is always going to be with you. It's never going to part from you. And Yeshua tells them, "I'm with you even till the end of the days."
0: <laughs> so my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. <laughs>
1: yes, me. Okay. My peace I give to you. It's almost like He made a covenant with them. He made a berith Shlomi. You know, the covenant of my peace.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> and so, just. Interesting. Interesting there. Um, you also have uh, the chasdi. says, and my kindness. Mi'itek lo yomush. And my kindness will never depart from you. The first word there, um, including the vav, has a gematria of 88. Which is interesting because in Khan's prayer in first Shmuel, she mentions um, this idea. It says in verse 2-9 of uh, first Shmuel, it says, The feet of his devotees, uh, he will keep and the wicked will be silent in the darkness, for not by strength will man prevail. And Mamlo's quotes on this verse. On, on the word for devotees there So it's written actually without the yud and so what he mentions there it says uh, the yud that is usually present before the final letter to indicate the plural form it's written without this, teaches us that even one pious man may have enough merit to save the entire world
0: <laughs>
1: so again he's talking about his kindness and his covenant of peace, he's never going to to depart from them. And the gamacha of the chasti, uh, his kindness has the same as the word for um, uh, chasdav, which is his devotees, which is an allusion to the the one who who has enough merit to save the entire world. Ancilli also has the same gamacha as uh, chami which, in accord to rabbinic literature, you look at the uh, uh sources on that it's it's one who is from bitle.
0: No way. <laughs> <Yes>. Wow.
1: <laughs> so there's definitely allusions to the fact that <clears throat> the fact of um, Yeshua alludes to this whole idea of his kindness never departing. Mm. The illusion of the kindness is allusion to him. You know, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. My shalom I give to you. It's all an allusion to him, like he's part of the process. Um, also, interesting, you know, it mentions that the sign he gave in the Torah portion was the the rainbow. That's right. And it mentions that it looks like a bow that's pointed upward. You know, like if like a bow and arrow. And so it's it's almost the idea of. Uh, instead of inflicting punishment on us, Hashem takes the arrows.
0: Wow. <laughs> he, takes, he
1: takes the piercing on, on account of us. Ugh. So this is how he, he sustained us. And so, <clears throat> going to my kindness will still not be part for you. Um, this means Hashem's kind mercy is everlasting. It benefits us even after the mercy of our forefathers lost its power. And two, when we imitate the deeds of our great forefathers and mothers, Hashem's quality of mercy will be aroused, and he will thus have compassion on all claws of Therefore, we must busy ourselves with performing acts of kindness for our fellow men. And so it mentions this whole idea of the mountains in the verse, and the hills reference the, the mountains refer to the three patriarchs, the hills refer to the four mothers. And so when it's talking about even after the mountains and the hills cave in, uh, and their merit will have been used up. Hashem says, "My kindness will not depart from you."
0: Beautiful. And
1: so, <laughs> but but so just like His kindness is what stands in the in the in the place,
0: which is the righteous one from Bethlehem.
1: <laughs> yes, the one who says, "My my shalom I give to you."
0: Okay. <laughs> Goodness.
1: Alright, so this this uh, next few verses, Yuslam, you poor woman with a stormy heart about who the nations claim. She will never be comforted due to tribulations. I will in the future underlay your stones with nofog gems. I will lay your foundation with sapphire stones. And I will make your widow panes from katko gems, your gates from etchak gems, and your territory from precious stones. And so it mentions all these, these precious stones. And there is a Story time. We would like to share.
0: All right. Ready?
1: Um, On this question, it says Should we interpret these words literally, all these precious stones, or is this just a metaphor?
0: Mm. So, here we go. Story time. Come on.
1: Rabbi Nochan taught in the future, Hashem will supply gems measuring 10 by 20 amos, which is about 20 or by 40 feet. He's going to set them into the gates of Jerusalem. One of his students smir- smirked upon hearing this. There is no such gem in existence. One can rarely find even a gem the size of a bird's egg. Soon afterwards, the student was traveling a ship. As punishment, Hashem made the ship sink into the depths of the ocean. There, the young men beheld a wondrous sight. Angels were cutting down gems and pearls to the size of 10 by 20 almost. These precious stones that have already been prepared in the sea since the six days of creation. For whom are these? the student inquired. And he was told in the future the Almighty will set them into the gates of Jerusalem." The student miraculously survived this trip and immediately apologized to Rabbi Yochanan. Every word you says is true. With my own, lies, I, with my own eyes I saw these gems being cut to size. And without seeing it yourself you don't believe I'm oh, sorry, he says, and the sage replies, and without seeing it yourself, you don't believe what the sages teach. You are a mocker, a non-believer, Rabbi Yochanan thundered, Staring at the student intently, this caused the Mida Hadin to strike the young man, turning him into a lifeless heap of bones. Ooh. So, you know, a lot of the stage uh, statements of the end.
0: No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I was about to, to say...
1: Our sages have been just mocked and ridiculed throughout the ages, but as time passed, we see that you know even our own deco- discoveries through science has actually supported what they've said. And in reality, scientific discovery and what we what we know about the world is just catching up to what's been written into the oral the oral law uh, and and you know Torah Shabbat Pay, right? Um, for for like thousands hundreds of years ago. Man. So we're just now catching up. <laughs> so um you know, this, this is a little note to, to not not mock the sages. You know they sound to say something that's ridiculous or something that doesn't necessarily make sense to us. You know, uh, don't mock their words.
0: Amen. I May it be so
1: and so you know and another note Yeshua mentions is blessed are those who who have not seen but still believe. Right. That's right. If it says it as Shem's Torah, like his his word's good enough.
0: I mean it's good enough for me. If it's if it's not good enough, you know, the question is is okay, so why are we not taking God literally at his word? Mm-hmm. So that's not a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, and you know. So we have all these beautiful stones gonna be set in Jerusalem in the gates in Jerusalem, and so this question is like, why do we need all these these wealth? What's with with all these precious stones? And so there's a couple answers to this, and the midrash points out it says, uh, essentially, it's gonna make Jerusalem beautiful and famous, and so the nations world are gonna to come come to honor the Jews, mm. and they're gonna appreciate the teaching of the Torah. And, and hold the Jewish nation in high esteem. <laughs> uh, the other idea is that, you know, it's it's the idea why we need wealth is we have more Torah time. Wow. You know, we can devote ourselves fully to, to study Torah. We don't have to worry about making living. Mm. It's going to make us so wealthy that, that it's not we don't have to necessarily go work, you know, uh, spend long hours at, at a job or a business. You know, we just study the Torah. Wow. And so and this, this whole idea of of in uh, in our time, when people have argued about money, they go to a judge for a settlement. But in the in the future, two Jews are going to disagree, you know, about, about money. One owes them, and so they say, "Hey, let's go to King Mashiach, He's going to sort this out." And upon arriving in Jerusalem, they're going to find the city with filled with so many precious stones. They're just going to pick up as many as they wish, and. <laughs> You know, by, by, by the time they, they, before they even would have got to Mashiach, they say, hey, this trip has made me rich already, so I don't even need the money anymore. Wow.
0: You know? Wow.
1: And so uh, the other interpretation is, is it's to shut down the mockers, all those who, who mock Hashem and his Torah. And, you know, people are going to say, you know, hey, B'nai Israel served idols even in the Holy City of Jerusalem. And so it has the status of ir uh, anadachat, which is a Jewish city in which idol worship was prevalent. And so these cities have to be destroyed. And so they're saying, hey, this they worship idols here, the city that has to be destroyed. And so when they see Hashem putting all these beautiful gems in the city and building it up, they're like, it just shuts them down. Like, no, it's, it's not a city of idolaters. This is my holy site.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's never going to be replaced, just like my people are never going to be replaced.
0: Ooh. <laughs>
1: and the next verse is beautiful. It says, all your sons will be learned in Shem's Torah, and great will be your sons' peace. And so Shem says, if you toil in Torah in this world, I myself will teach you in the future world. You will all become my students, as it says... And all your students become students of Hashem. All the Jews will be taught by Hashem, and therefore they will never forget what they learned when interpretations. They result in great peace, and there will no be uh, disputes due to forgotten traditions. Okay. <clears throat> and so, hey, if we're just going to be taught by Hashem, we're going to know anything, why should we even bother? Um, first of all, I'd say the question is a symbol of bad
0: Good. <laughs> and,
1: and second of all I'd say that, you know, the Mineras mentions this whole idea that the more a person exerts himself in torso in this world, the higher the level of instruction he's going to be received from the Sheikh from the presence of Hashem.
0: Well that and was so <laughs> not
1: not everything is gonna be this equal playing field. Depending on your effort in this world, depends on your closest to Hashem You know, if if you want to have a, a stronger if you want to think of in terms like this, a stronger embrace and a stronger experience, a stronger, you know, uh, feeling of, of closeness, uh, then you need to in invest uh, in more effort in this world. Mm. Um, so, there's also the concept that the Shokhan Aruk brings down on the Halakha of, of Torah study. It um, mentions that when you read your Torah, you should read out loud. Yeah. And so, if you adamant about this, then, even if you didn't understand the Torah you read out loud, you know, as as long as you're reading, you're trying, then you're going to stand it, it in the Lam Haba.
0: Oh.
1: And so everything that you read. <laughs>
0: even, so, the <laughs> even the Hebrew.
1: In the, even the Hebrew. Even the Lashan HaKodesh.
0: Lashan Torah.
1: Don't give up, you know. And, and second of all, uh, this whole concept of, you know, we mentioned this whole idea of why should we bother again. um, There's... We just got through talking about how, how Shim is compared to the husband, Israel's the bride, right? And we have this concept in, in Judaism of how uh, husband and wife, they produce offspring. And so the father's thoughts, his thought process, what he's involved in his intellect, goes in to produce the child's intellect. And the mother's midot, her characteristics, goes into producing the child's midot. Mm. And so if we look at this concept, and this this goes into producing a child, we look at this concept in the aspect of Torah study, right? We have us as Israel, the bride of Hashem, and we have Hashem's Torah, right? This is his intellect, right? This this is hinted in the words that you have, uh, the bait that begins the Torah, the lev that ends it. This spells out lev, this is the heart, which is like the seed of understanding. And it also alludes to the, because as a 32, the 32 gates of wisdom. And so this is Hashem's his his mind, his intellect. Um brought down in a form that we could understand, of course. We can't grasp the full concept of 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 who a is, like and in his totality. Right. But him manifested as, as as a Torah, right, this is his intellect. And so whenever we, we develop our medot, we develop our Musar, right, we develop our, our characteristics and and develop, you know, good behavior, good characteristics, and we read his Torah, we're gonna to produce a, a beautiful beautiful words of Torah, beautiful uh, Torah world views. Mm. <clears throat> and so it's mentioned that the Torah, you know, it could be either like this this book of life or it could be a, a sword. And so it really depends on the intention of the reader and the the character of the reader. Like what, what are what are their their characteristics like if they have good, good medot, they're going to produce beautiful Torah. If they have bad, bad medot, then their Torah is going to be either flawed or, you know, it, it's going to be uh, essentially putting out death into the world. Wow. And so this is how you have people like in uh, David's day, Shoal's <clears throat> um, um, advisor was a guy by the name of Doeg, who was a, a great Torah scholar. He he knew everything, but he was such corrupted on the inside. He had such bad 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 characteristics, that his interpretation of Torah was flawed. And he led Shaul, King Shaul, to do a whole bunch of horrendous things, like kill the Kohenim, not wipe at, wipe out a Melik. This is all his doing. And so, you know, always try to read try to read at least like fifteen minutes of Musar every day. You know, any 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 work you can that can help develop yourself is, is always a, a plus.
0: Fifteen <laughs> minutes. One low price. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Dear Lord. laughs> right. Alright, we got about a ten minute heads up here on the
1: alarm. All right, we mentioned um, this whole idea uh, of all this reward that's coming in, and surely we must be doing something to re- deserve all this. And so verse 14 mentions this whole idea, For the sake of the you do, you will be established with all good things. You will be removed from oppressors and need not fear them from catastrophe, for I will come near you. And so Sadaka can have two meanings. It could be righteousness, performs good deeds, or it could be the giving of charity. Mm. And Rambam writes that you know, one who and giving tzedakah to the poor, for his characteristic, is a sign that we are descendants of our forefather Abraham. Oh. And there's this idea that with tzedakah, it's better to give a little bit every day than to give a whole, bu- whole bunch at once.
0: True. Okay.
1: one of the main parts is is it's about developing your your yourself, developing this whole giving attribute within yourself, your idea of chesed, and so. You know, a way you could do this practically, we mentioned this before, but before you pray or especially before you pray, maybe do before you do mitzvah, you know, or before you read Torah, you know, you drop a few coins in a sadaka box that you intend to, to give give to uh, someone or uh, organization in the future. Right. Oh, wow. And make that a daily practice and you're developing this this attribute of of, of being willing to give to others through that. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, this other idea of sadaka the verse alludes um, so sadaka is only acceptable if the money has been earned honestly Yes. right and so there's two ideas there's one must stay away from dishonesty and this is everything that even borders on untruth right um, and in the merit of our giving sadaka shim will silence our oppressors <laughs> and so that's two things that this could mean where it says, um, our, our Sadaqa will like establish us.
0: Side note. I mean, you really think about Hashem silencing your pressures because you're paying Sadaka? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous.
1: Looking out for someone else. So he's going to look out for you.
0: Mm. Mm. Alright, is there Uh, any, uh, main thing that you really wanted to make sure you got to cover? Yeah. Because I know, like, for me, when I got to podcast earlier this week, I was just kind of going through, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't get to say this one thing, and so, you know, definitely want to make sure we cover that for the Haftara.
1: Okay, definitely, um... All right, we will go with <clears throat> a couple of points on 55.1. Um, okay. Come all through thirsty to quench your thirst. Even if one who has no money, go get food for free and eat. Go get wine and milk without money and without price. Okay, so what, what water can be given without price? This is referring to Torah. And it mentions... That, that why is water compared to water, wine, and milk? And, you know, uh, this is... One of the re- allusions to this is um, the part of the, tar- the revelator is likened to water, the wine is likened to the secrets, and the milk is likened to the Midrashim.
0: Ooh! Right.
1: <laughs> one of these things is that these... Uh, just as these drinks keep best in plain and expensive containers... So do the words of Torah stay with one who is humble. And so you notice you won't end up putting wine in like gold or metal, silver vessels, because it'll, it'll deteriorate. Right. If you keep it in a humble vessel, it, key, it preserves what's inside. And so that's like what we mentioned earlier about your medot, If If you do the ultimate good medot, which is humility, you'll preserve your, your Torah. You're not at a loss. And if you're going to spend you know, 15 minutes on Musar rather than 15 minutes on, on a section of commentary. You're at a, a complete gain. Wow. Um, and so, you know, it mentions the whole idea that Rambam puts it this way, the teachings of the Torah are to be found only by the one who is humble and subordinate to the Torah. The sages said, one who stays far away from temporary pleasure-seeking and who spends the least time possible on earning a living so that he can occupy the Torah the rest of the time. So this is who it's, it's referring to. And so there's plenty of ways we could we could spend our time, but it's best to invest it in something with value. And you know, like it says, you know, this it's where is the Torah? It's not far from you, right? It's of mm. It's it's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And so, based on you know the words you say, and and the characteristics you develop in your heart, right? You can develop your your Torah.
0: <laughs> wow! I did.
1: I did want to uh, mention this. This one last story time. All right. And we could uh, we could quote there and get into takeaways. Cool. Okay, so this is story time. I'm gonna tell this. You cannot love God and money.
0: Story time. Come on.
1: On his travels, the Emperor Alexander the Great once sat down near a spring to, to a meal of salty fish. He dipped the fish into the water in order to rinse off the excess salt. As soon as the fish touched the, the water, they became alive and emitted a sweet smell. Amazed, Alexander ripped his hand, rinsed his hands of the water and washed his face. He felt wonderfully refreshed. The spring surely comes from Ganadin, he called out. Let me follow it to its source. Fawn alongside the stream, he climbed higher and higher until he stood facing a pair of firmly locked gates. Open the door, he ordered. In reply, he heard, This gate leads to a shim. Only Sadakim may enter. Alexander called back, I'm the emperor, I'm not just an ordinary person. Let me at least have a souvenir from this place. The gate opened, and he was handed a bone that surrounds the human eye socket. Alexander packed the strange souvenir among his belongings. Upon his arrival home, he summoned the Jewish nation to unravel this mystery for him. What is so special about this bone? Alexander asked him. Bring me a scale, scal, they advised, and we will show you. A scale was brought, and the bony frame was placed in one bowl. Now part of the silver and gold in the other bowl of the balance, the sages instructed. To the emperor's utter surprise, the eye bone outweighed the precious metal. And no matter how much more gold and silver he added, the bowl containing the eye bone stayed down. What can this mean? The emperor questioned the sages. They replied, "This is a teach that the human eye is insatiable. No matter how much gold and silver it is given, it always desires more." Is there anything that might help tilt the scale the other way? Alexander questioned. Certainly, the sage replied. The sage replied, "Strew a little dust over the silver and gold." When the emperor did so, the bowl immediately sank down with a heavy thud. The lesson was clear. Death puts an end to man's ceaseless cravings for riches. Wow. We mentioned before, I I believe, that the whole essence, or maybe it was a discussion we had, um, that the essence of Edom, of Rome, is this whole idea of to conquer and to conquest. And this is what Alexander was all about. And it's interesting that he went to the Garden of Ganadin, right? This river that flowed from Ganadin, and once he experienced life, right? Right. Once he had this experience with abundant life, he 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 sucked up the source, right? But he was only trying to trying to say, hey, what what can I get from this?
0: Hmm.
1: It was like, what can I get from? How can I conquer? How can I conquer this and and attain this 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 wonderful thing? So I can make it mine. Wow. And he, and it's, it's interesting because he says, open the door. And the reply says, this, this gate leads to Shem. Only righteous people may enter. Wow. And so he, he essentially there's this, there's this question, this souvenir that's thrown out by, by, the, by the gate was actually teaching him how to enter.
0: <laughs> wow. Right.
1: what they do this this eye socket that outweighed all the gold and silver all all this materiality that that really has no value ultimately in the grand scheme of things um this was who alexander was he was constantly trying to conquest constantly kind of trying to get more and they said look you've got to cast out this eye if you want to enter in here and so, this is what Yeshua says. You, you cannot love God and money. You know, if you're, your right eye causes you to stumble, then, then cut it out. Right? And we mentioned before, you're going to be established through sadaka, through your giving of charity. Right? Through, through what you invest your time and money into. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the teaching with the eye was like, hey, you want to enter in these gates? Cast out this eye. You've got to remove this from yourself to enter here. Um, unfortunately, he didn't take an account. He was still trying to see what he can attain. He wasn't really looking to enter. He was just looking for something to take back so he could have uh, something more to have for himself. And so, you know, if we, one thing we should learn from the, the Parsha and the Haftorah is definitely that we should be people who are, who are willing to, to give, you know, and, and not just to constantly take things for self. you know?
0: Wow. Well, on that note, That is a violent way to end the podcast. So, wow. Uh, You know, I kind of feel like time just kind of like sped up and like that was a whole hour already. Like, what just happened? (laughs) But lots of beautiful insights. So, first of all, Todah For the excellence and the craft that you and Hashem, you know, partnered on to bring this forth. So thank you for just uh, being willing to share uh, with us and just bringing out beautiful elucidations. One of the beautiful things about uh, Lapid Judaism is that we have sources and, you know, uh, and it's the same sources that have been used by Chazal in past generations. So, what a beautiful uh, privilege we have to really just expound upon that and connect more and more dots. So, with that being said, it's time for practical takeaways. And uh, so this is Parsha Noach, taken away from Yeshiyahu. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first?
1: Uh, You can go. I've been talking a lot. (laughs) Drink a little water.
0: (laughs) Brick Well, first of all, I do want to say, you know, it was just really cool just flying alongside of you for all of this podcast, because I know you had a lot to say, and you did a really good job. So, Yasha Koak, and one of the the biggest things to me, because there's so many things to choose from... Like the the bride and the husband and then, you know, the whole thing about your children being your righteousness, your Torah, and, you know, how we need to have Midot and Torah and it's just like so many different things. But I want to stick to this one verse back in 54 uh, that is talking about Hashem saying He will not forsake us. Um... Wanted to point out something in this verse here. Uh, where did it go? I was... Oh, yes, it's verse 6. Okay. So, uh, like a husband calling back his wife. Because the whole thing about this current exile, we're likened to a wife who is a And so, the husband and the wife are not allowed to be together during that time in a very intimate way. And so, that doesn't mean that we're divorced or anything, but that definitely uh, limits uh, interaction. And so, knowing that the the geula, you know, is likened to, you know, we're no longer in nida. So, you know, uh, just to keep it real uh husbands and wives know what that moment's like. And so I thought this was a really cool thing for us to really grab a hold of to know that what what does the woman do while she's in Nida? You know, because that really is what what we have this time for. You know, uh my Ishaqail, one of the most beautiful things that I've heard her share with women, you know, normally it's pillow talk time with the husband. But during need week, it's pillow talk time with Hashem. Mm. And I thought that was like the sweetest thing ever. Because, I mean, you think about the, the ability that we have during this time to take Hashem at His word. To not see the results of doing so but to gain all the rewards and the benefits of it. There is no telling what we're doing in the heavenlies when we're davening, using the Siddur, when we are keeping the Shabbat, when we're addressing Zanut, when we're undergoing persecution of our faith, when we're having to lose family members and friends because of conversion and all of these different things. And it's just a beautiful concept of storing your treasures where moths and rust can't get to it. Because this time that we have is really a beautiful time to be like, you know what, before I get to experience uh, the interaction with the Shekinah, before I get to see miracles that will blow my mind, before I get to study even more higher depths and, and deeper dimensions of Torah, what do I have now and how do I treat it? How much do I value it? How much do I safeguard it? How much am I really becoming one with it? You know, so to know that when that time comes, that we as the wife are done with Nida and we are now allowed to be just completely with Hashem you know, what will make that time sweeter, you know? And so I just want to, uh, also point out that the same verse, verse 54 or chapter 54, verse six, it begins with the letter cough and it ends with the letter cough. And when we look at the letter cough, it's a hand, you know, it's like the palm of a hand. So you have two palms coming together. And it's interesting that when you put the cough with the kof that's twenty plus twenty, and that makes a mim, which is forty. And when you look at what is the mim, this is the waters of the mikveh, which when you are completed with your mikveh, you will go into or slika. When you're completed with your nida, you will go into the mikveh, you know. And this is the whole purification and the the reunion uh, concept. And also, this is likened to the time that the Redeemer was separated from the people of Israel, namely Moshe being up the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. So put all that together, what are we doing, and how much are we remaining faithful while Mashiach Yeshua is away, while we're in Nida, and when we will be done with Nida, and when Mashiach will return? Because nobody better build a golden calf, myself included. Because cause we've done that before, and we saw how that worked out. So, no golden caps on three. And, you know, let's, let's be ready for the return of Mashiach because he says, when I return, will I even find Amuna? Is is there anybody going to still be holding it down? And I'm on team, hold it down. How about you?
1: Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's in fifty five three it mentions mentions that like he's gonna make eternal covenant with us. Promise we're no longer gonna be exiled, right? In the commentary it mentions that those who listen to the words of Torah and take them to heart will have eternal life. You know, which is exactly what Yeshua says. Yeah. How do I inherit eternal life? He says, Keep the mitzvot.
0: That's right.
1: You know, and so everything else is about his reign being established. Um and the nations. You know, Mashiach, you will summon a nation that you don't know to serve you, and the people which do not know you will come running to your bidding. Why? Not because you military is forty, but but for the sake of Hashem, your God, who would dwell with you, and for the sake of the Holy One, who has beautified you by letting the Shekhinah rest in your midst. And so it's 50, fifty-five-five with with commentary. But I, I love what you said about you know who knows what we're doing in the heavenlies, right? In the whole spiritual realms, when, when we pray, when we're just a newt. 'Cause this was one interpretation of Noah. He 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 was too quote unquote humble to petition.
0: Wow.
1: Right? He was like, my prayers aren't gonna be heard.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, and but we learned that, you know, Moshe was so humble that he prayed on behalf of everybody. Wow. You know, and and, and so this is the whole idea of never underestimate yourself. I mean. Never underestimate what what you're capable of doing, and what what your Torah study is worth, and what your your actions are worth, and what your prayers are worth. You know, say, oh, I'm just, you know, praying on this door. I'm just doing this, doing that. Well, you know, you're you're praying on behalf of all of Israel. Wow. You know, on everybody. You know, you're praying for for people to come in when you say the the verse from Talim before your Esrei. Wow. And so. You know, it's just amazing. Um, Other thing I just like to focus on before for practical takeaways is this whole idea of like where is the Torah that that we mentioned before, and you know, it says the Torah's teachings are found with only one who is humble. It's more to Torah sages.
0: And what and, to Torah and, sages?
1: Say. What's that?
0: And and what is that to Torah sages?
1: So, uh, subordinate. subordinate. So like you're subordinate. subordinate. If the sages, or the rabbis say something, you're not just like you're not like the guy who says, "Oh, can that really happen?" You know, and then get burned down to a pile of bones later. But um, you're the person who says, "Okay, they say that, I'm gonna believe it, I'm gonna follow what they say." Wow. You know, they're they're not. Uh, if you come from a Christian background, you are not your they Christian pastor. Good. You know, enough. they're they're not they're not this 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 other guy up on the web somewhere who's who's lying to you, right? Wow. Like. These are these are people who have established tradition, and so we should be people who follow follow their uh, their advice, right? But it just mentions like we where is the Torah? We mentioned it before, but it's a Uv uvravka. It's like it's in your heart. It's in your it's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Uh, it's quoting from from Devarim, and this has a of 174, which is the same as aleph kuf dalit. Which is the root of the akeda? Wow! It's a whole idea to be bound to Hashem, and so your your mouth and your heart—the dynamics of these two have something to do with your adherence and your clinging to the Torah. And It's interesting that it mentions when it's whenever the scripture speaks of a wicked person, it mentions that they're speaking; they spoke within their heart.
0: Oh! Like they spoke to
1: themselves, like God. Oh, I can't stand this. I can't stand what they did, or, you know, like with Esau, with Yaakov,
0: mm. you know,
1: he spoke, he spoke in his heart, right? But when it mentions all, all the righteous people, it mentions they spoke to their heart, right? Again, you have this dynamics of the heart and the mouth, so this is where your, your Torah resides in you. And so if you want to be, be a righteous person, whenever you feel your heart uh, being offended, assaulted, lusting, whatever, whatever direction it's going, you know, it mentions Slama mentions. You know, guard your heart. Right. Right. Speak to your heart. How do you do that? How do you guard it? You speak to it. You use your mouth. You know what you've learned from the Torah, what you learned from from the sages, what you learned from rabbis. Right. Use that to to talk to your heart and guide it in the direction that it needs to go. Um, even if it's just like just wasting time or doing something that means means nothing. Right. Speak to your heart. Speak to your desires. And, and use it in a way that's going to guide you to do something that's worthwhile. Um, like this, this Parsha, Parsha mentions, you know, why do you weigh out, 55-2, why do you weigh money to buy that which is not bread? And your toil is for that which does not satisfy. Better listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in rich and enjoyable foods and the delightful foods of Torah. And mentions the whole idea that Torah is the true bread. It sustains the soul just as bread nourishes the body. In Torah study, a Jew finds real and permanent satisfaction and fulfillment. Every Jew must make the Torah his main aim in life and all other occupations secondary. And so if you look at this, you know, we shouldn't feel rebuked when we read a halakha that, that offends us or um, the Torah says something and we're like, oh, wow, that that com- goes completely against what I do. We mm-hmm. shouldn't feel fulfilled. We should feel excited and overjoyed because we look at it, it says... Uh, through the word everything was created. Right? Hashem spoke with Rashid with the Torah. Right. So what does that mean? That means Torah is, is the very essence of who we are. And so when we read something in the Torah or something in the halakha, right, that that is opposed to us or that offends us, we, we should not we should not be offended, we should be ecstatic. Because it's reminding us of who we are, of who we truly are and who we f- we should mould ourselves to be. It's calling us out to Teshuvah to return to our, our ultimate essence. Wow.
0: All right? And through
1: that, we're going to be overjoyed because we're attaching ourselves to our purpose. We're attaching ourselves to our, our origins, to our Father in Heaven. And so we should be very particular about you know, our, our Torah study and our mitzvot and, and remembering that, hey, don't get offended. If you hear a Torah concept that you're not doing... Be overjoyed because this is your very identity. It's reminded you of your purpose and who you are. And it's going to bring so much light to your life. Even though initially it's going to be a struggle to, to elevate in different areas, whether that's through prayer, study, or different specific things. Um, it will end up being a blessing in your life.
0: Amen. All I gotta say to that is may Hakadosh Baruch Hu make us worthy of the days of Mashiach Yeshua and the life of the Olam Haba thank you for joining us for the Haftarah Parsha for Parsha Noach this has been Shomer Man at Bas and we bless the name of Hashem by the closing words of the Bracha for after reading and studying the Haftarah Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu Zur Ko ha zadik Beko kol ha el ha-neeman, ha haomer veosei hamdaber unkayem. Shekol debarav, emet Vazerek. Neeman atahu Adonai Eloheinu, ve neeman debareka, Ve-devar echad Midvareka Akhor lo yashuv recham ki el melek ne'eman emman ve rakamana baruch atah adonai ha el hane emman beko devar biskot mashiach yeshu to darbar for joining us many blessings and shalom and shavutov